Back again with another one. We're back with another one. Episode 5. It's episode 5. I thought it was episode 4, but here we go. My name's Jonathan. I'm Flo. And I'm Rashid. we got a nice episode for you today. We've got a special guest, Chris Medford. He's a creative at Mother at the moment. And um, I think we had a really cool conversation. Um, some of the subjects we touched on was uh, the aftermath of the Euro 2020 final. Um, the pressures of people of colour to be excellent, victimhood, um, and the fact that, you know, a lot of people of colour sort of unify um, through racism or because of racism. Um, It was an interesting chat. What did you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Um, Some very good points were brought up that I actually had to think about afterwards and I think that might might be a follow-up conversation at some point. Hope you guys enjoy. It's quite funny, the whole, even the whole idea of bringing it home. Like, you know, there's loads of different opinions on, on that. And, you know, obviously with England's, like, colonial history, the idea of bringing it home is, you know, not, it's quite uncomfortable to to many. And it's, um, that kind of has kind of been glossed over a little bit, you know. For me, like, it's a bit of a laugh, to be fair. Like, oh, we're bringing it home. But when you look kind of deeper into it, it's a bit like, hmm, this, this feels a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? I kind of say it, like, ironically, but, you know, for some it's not so light-hearted, I guess you could say. I definitely don't find joining in and the whole coming on spiel. I do feel very triggered by it. <laughs> I don't know where everyone else really? but Like, yeah, man, just... I don't know, yeah. like... Like, you grow up around certain areas and you like every other flag's got the St. George Cross everyone's all running around like screaming at fence oh yeah but no one really comes to terms with like how come all these other nations that you're like you're facing right how come they're not holding the same kind of national pride you do about mm. football it's so weird but then again like it's always funny when the England goes to Russia and they actually meet the true hooligans yeah, real, real ultras. <laughs> when you when you say we say George flag and everything, I mean that's the only time I feel safe around that flag is when it's you know it's international when it's football because you're like oh cool, but on a normal day walking through a neighborhood, see a bunch of those flags, you're like I'm in the wrong neighborhood. Well, it just means to me racist. It just means people who feel like. There's only one type of British, and that is the white British. You like know, you, you can't be an immigrant. You can't be second, first generation. You can't build a life, you know, here. You know, because you just you you will never be British in their eyes. No matter how many kids you feed, like Rashford, it really doesn't matter. Because if you miss a goal, you miss a goal, and you're black again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like I'm not feeding kids. So how are they gonna look at me? When they went to penalties. Like, I already was like, nah, don't let Sterling take it. Don't let, like, Saka or, like, you know what I mean? I just knew. I was like, if any of these guys miss, it's going to be a long, long day for, like... Trust. Yeah, for black people, to be honest. They said all three of them missed. I said, like, it's a wrap. I was <laughs> like, yeah, this is, this is the perfect, perfect scenario <laughs> for racism to, to jump out, really. I couldn't, I couldn't do socials, man. I couldn't... As soon as everything kind of unfolded and I saw his faces, I was like, nope. No social media for me. Nothing. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Just because I knew what was about to happen next. The British community are very vocal on the socials about their disdain for anyone 
and especially if you're a person of colour in the news and like try to do anything good they'll just rinse you black people people of colour a lot of the time we feel like we have to justify our success or our reason for being in a good place or a good space is such a unfair thing for us you know we can't just be successful and let it be that there's now eyes into all oh, why is he why is he in such a good position why is he allowed to be in this position and if he is what is he doing for other people do you know what I mean there's always that mm. thing of like you're never just allowed to be great for yourself should I, I tell you there's one person within the mainstream that's getting it the most is I see Lewis Hamilton there's yeah. nothing he yeah. can do like nothing he can do that's positive that people just will rip into him for like over this past weekend they had a little crash with uh, Verstappen and like the team principal of Red Bull helped fuel the fire that was about to happen next where the onslaught of people just digging into Lewis over this thing that was just a racing incident and like even with um, the foundations they're trying to get more diverse to F1 when there's actual direct nepotism of a guy owning a racing team just so his son can race like <laughs> you know what I mean it's just it's, it's bonkers it's actually a mad world yeah him winning is it's a problem apparently people are like I'm so bored because he keeps winning I'm like mm, it just sounds weird you're just like you're questioning I'm like why do you care that he's winning like how weird is that you know that you're upset oh it's so boring because he keeps winning I'm like it feels like he has connotations of racism yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, it's like yeah. I've never heard people say that normally but it's a problem when he wins when Schumacher was winning all those years ago right everyone supported Ferrari not like oh how is Schumacher winning every race how is he doing like none of that everyone just wanted to support mm. but we don't get that for Lewis you know what I mean it's like exactly. you have to do everything twice just for <laughs> to get the same recognition yeah it's mental for sure you know what that brings um into my mind that the topic of like well for our community anyway what we like what we call black excellence and the idea of black excellence and like it's so mad that we like for black people to even just be sort of pushed on a certain pedestal we have to be the top of the top literally be superhuman to be appreciated in the smallest sense and um i saw a topic on i think it was on twitter just talking about like black mediocrity and how we should kind of just champion like the quote-unquote average black people or just the average people of color no you don't have to be some superhuman doing the job of 10,000 people or the job of eight people or whatever to be recognized for what you do you could just be yourself and you could just be all right at what you do and still be held to the same regard as your your white counterparts and your white colleagues I think it's um, it's definitely something that I think we should look into because we put so much pressure on ourselves to be great and I feel like it's only really you know black people and people of colour that, that put that pressure um, on themselves to do that we're definitely held to a higher standard than our white counterparts but I do feel like a part of it's to do with the culture. So a lot of the times within our industry, they want us to have side jobs. They want us to be able to have all this disposable income to be able to do all these wild things to make us seem like we're the best people for the roles. That's not necessarily 
like accessible or achievable and sometimes like even just being able to start your own clothing brand is something that's just un- unreachable for a lot of people coming from like socioeconomic backgrounds and so on yeah. and even then it's like how many how many out of us actually are wealthy enough to do these things it's like one mm-hmm. percent of the 14 percent of the population that <laughs> yeah. actually yeah. Even can even do these things if you want like diversity of thought you need to change the process in which you interview and converse with someone you're trying to pull them in you know you have to be more open-minded that most of the conversations you have with these people you will disagree with them but that's the best mm-hmm. part you suppose, if you agreed how boring is that you're just hiring the same person again it's so true what was the topic that um you suggested chris because i actually thought that was a really so, really interesting one it's just about victimhood victimhood in the black communities there's like there's a lot of finger pointing so a lot of people feeling like some people calling it injustice is not the same like people feel like oh you, all you all trying to do is make white people feel bad when sometimes it's not even like that you know what i mean so, when you say victimhood what what do what do you mean specifically so calling out situations that they personally feel so people feeling are a lot worse than what it is and then other mm. people receiving that saying that you're just trying to make yourself look like a victim here it's not really that bad like that yeah. sort of that sort of level of um let me say so the, with a lot of things that happen at work let's say racism at work right so at what point do you call it out and then other black people going you know what that's happened to me for years like I, what you're doing is that's nothing you know mm. <laughs> how how do we all get onto the same page and be like no this is actually bad we try to change it mm-hmm. i think that's a really really good point and i i think we we actually we spoke about something very similar in our um last conversation with dorcas about like how much sensitivity is too much and how much is just enough um and i think it's oh it's such a good point because on the one hand everybody's experience is different right and and like everybody's experience should in some way shape or form be valid and on the other hand it's like well but we also need to kind of move as a collective in order to create the change that we want to see yeah. um and it's it's yeah it's a really good point it's like how yeah how do we navigate yeah you know what's you know what's weird as well is that like obviously we all know that racism exists but like you know with the what? Ra- <laughs> I know crazy right racism <laughs> say <Wow>. what <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like with the rise of like technology, social media, it's like a lot of it is a lot more in our face, and mm. it might not even be directly to us, but we're seeing it. Yeah. So then, a lot of the time, we take on the racism that's been given to someone else, mm-hmm. and that almost like heightens the the vict- the feeling of being a victim. I guess do you know what I mean. And sometimes I'm I'm always so caught up between like. I shouldn't really be taking in all this bullshit. Do you know what I mean? I should let me just take in what I'm literally um, experiencing firsthand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's almost unhealthy to, you know, constantly taking these images, whether it be George Floyd um, or or loads of hundreds of others. Like, it's kind of not healthy for us as a community. I feel like anyway, and I feel like it almost builds it accelerates that feeling of being a victim so much more and I think it heightens our anger a lot more and that's not to say we shouldn't feel angry 
100% we should because it's unacceptable. But I always, yeah, I, I, I always find it hard to get that balance of like knowing that racism is clearly, you know, around and rife, whether it be in this country or abroad somewhere else. Yeah. But at the same time, just looking out for my own mental health and being like, I just kind of just want to navigate life without constantly feeling like, oh, I'm black. Can I do this? I can't do that. Or, oh, my life's shit because I'm black. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost connected to an identity question as well. In my experience, I, I never really, before I came to London, identified with, this sounds fucked, but identified <laughs> with, with issues that concern the black community. Um, oh, therefore, I, d- I didn't necessarily buy into, um, and that's probably... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rash, I can see, I can see you. I'm just being real. No, that's <laughs> I'm what we, just being that's real. What we want. That's what we want, realness. <laughs> I didn't necessarily um, understand what everybody was on about, if, <laughs> if, I, if I put it bluntly. But then coming into a country where it's very systematic and you can feel it and you can see and hear and understand the issue, it kind of becomes part of your identity because it's part of you and also it's part of who you're surrounded by but it but then it's like if let's say racism were to stop today what are our identity is going forward because it, it is i feel like it's almost part of everybody's story especially every black person or a person of color story at this point i love that so much because it's even if racism stopped today there needs to be so much catch-up that racism is still kind of an an issue, even if it's gone, right? When it comes yeah. to making things fairer, it can't be like, okay, we're all on the same level. And I'll be like, yeah, but I'm way behind because of how life was, you know, when it comes to opportunities, housing, old money, don't have any of that, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah, are you going to give it to me? Or how are we going to catch up? How are we going to make things fair? And that's what we're kind of facing now. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, 40 yeah. acres on a mule. Come on. It's now my turn to be racist. Now I'm joking. But um, <laughs> it, it's hard. It's hard because <laughs> even if you think about it, like, hop on what you're saying, Flo, it's like, how has the movement in the pandemic changed how we're going to act after the pandemic? Are people more woke? Are people's words just whimsical? I had time in the pandemic, but now we're back in real life. I ain't got time for you people. You, yeah you, you know what I mean? and also you know it, it it does feel like just overall it does feel like people talk about these issues more you know, not not in the perfect way but it's definitely you know a lot of things have come from it it's like we we can see it in our company we can see it just in in different brands and in the in the ads that are being um played i i do think you can feel it and you can you can see it is it perfect definitely not but yeah. um but what are we going to do with it now yeah yeah, what's mad about what you said, Flo, about the identity thing is just like, it's so true. I feel like a lot of us, whether it's black people or other people of colour, like, we actually, sad. it's sad to say, but we actually identify with each other and relate to each other through our struggles and our pain a lot of the time. Like, that's mm-hmm. actually what connects a lot of us together, like, our actual pain, because, you know, it's very easy to be like oh you know we're all black but you know some of us are african some of us are caribbean like we we have different cultures but we all experience the racism against black people which kind of 
then connects us together, which is like really sad, but it's a curse and a blessing. It yeah, like. exactly, exactly. Because if you think about it, like even in in the workplace, if someone says something that is, you know, like clearly <laughs> just off, off. Yeah. You just need to look at look, just that other look. person That's of it. color, just the eye and contact. you know, and yeah. and 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 it's almost like this this shared understanding of yeah. I'm here and yeah. I understand. Exactly, it's the best and feeling. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel really the same is. way about the yeah. world, like. Yeah. Because the world wouldn't be peaceful unless we had one common enemy. If aliens came, then everyone of Earth would be like, "No, nah, we're all human together. Yeah, Let's yeah. fight this guy." And that would be the only time we look past all our differences, everyone's different things, and actually unify. And that's like that's the same thing for black people. Yeah. We unify under the like oppression. <laughs> it's weird, though, isn't it? Because it's like yeah, and again, it's part of it's part of our identity. What would we even do if that wasn't the case anymore? Like if if literally it stopped today. Yeah. How would we be in the office? Like, we'd how probably would... be arguing with each other. Like, we'd probably all hate each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a new a new type of segregation. Yeah, yeah, of course, hundred percent. In the Caribbean, it'd be rice and peas. <laughs> <laughs> in Africa, it'd be fighting over jello fries. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah. all of us have got different ways of doing things. You know, yeah. hairstyles. Yeah. Yams, actually, plantain. Plantain's a great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the great is it plantain? Plantain. Hold up. Plantain? Oh, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like that, that conversation, yeah. along with, oh, you know, how, how do we better racism or unconscious bias? It's also, how do we deal with the positive change? That's a really well put question. I feel. It's putting the positivity out there. I think that's what it is. With every negative story, we need something of equal positivity to level it out. I feel that's the thing. Because with the internet, it's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. We're the most connected we've ever been. This is the reason why we've been able to get all the information out there at the same time. That's why we get all the trauma. But we need to combat the trauma with all the positive energy as well. We need to be able to flood both sides. Mm -hmm. Because... It's not good for our mental health. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, At the end of the 100%. day. But I do feel um, having that positivity comes with um, great responsibility because some people will look at this like, look at these people, they're getting a better chance than us now. <laughs> like, um, we had the whole thing with what English, English children yeah. are failing yeah. at school mm-hmm. and they feel like the immigrants are coming over and getting a better education. But it's yeah. not that. It's just a case of it's a culture. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture thing. Yeah. Like immigrants come to work; exactly. they don't come to get to play benefits. About, do you know what I mean? <laughs> they play about. Exactly. They're like, hey, this is all or nothing. Uh, look at across rivers and lakes. Uh, for you like, to like, school. I sacrifice my life for you to be getting F's school. <laughs> um, yeah. It comes down to entitlement. Because yeah. then it's like we're, all, all black. I say not all. But generally within black families, you get the talk. Mm. Like, you are black. You have to work twice as hard to yeah. get the same thing as Peter down the road. So mm. true. And then with some of the white families, I'm not sure if they're getting the same talk because it's like a sense of entitlement. It's like, yeah. we're English. We're in England. <laughs> yeah. Yes, everything. I will be able to leave school at 16 and become a labourer. This is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nothing against labourers, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have that talk because um I grew up in a in a white family and that yeah. wasn't that wasn't ever a consideration. It was oh you you know, whatever you want to do is fine and um 
we'll support you if you don't want to finish school don't finish school if you you know like it it it, it was literally that yeah that's crazy yeah. not not to say that white families yeah. are like that no 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 for all white families ever it works both ways though because you know that pressure of like as a kid being from like a you know immigrant family immigrant background it's like oh damn i gotta work hard at school gotta make sure i get the best grades but a lot of the time like your parents have this thing set out for you so like i don't know typical nigerian story is yeah i want you to grow up i want you to be a doctor i want you to be a lawyer i want you to be you know some engineer that sort of thing Mm. but like you know as we grow up in this like social media era or even in sporting terms like i know a lot a lot of people were were stopped from pursuing their sports dreams because their family like what you want you think i came to this country for you to be kicking the ball around or Mm. you know i mean or you think i came to this country for you to be rapping on a microphone like what what kind of nonsense is this like i didn't risk my whole family uh like livelihood for you to come to england and do that so i think that side of um it is quite interesting as well when it comes to pressure and education. Very much so. And yeah. also, I mean, obviously, we all now work in the creative industry. Yeah. So yeah. all of us must have had some some sort of conversation <laughs> with, with the families. I would love to hear your guys' stories about this. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> Chris, you're, you're, you're a creative. Like, you're, yeah. you're the epitome. Yeah. Like, you're, like, poster child of <laughs> a black person going into a, a creative industry. Like... How was that? How was that journey? For me, it was a very long road before I got to this position, mm. where when I first left school, I was a chef because I was just like straight in, get money. I can. It's a trade. It's a skill. Because yeah. I was I was dyslexic, and I never really got diagnosed with my dyslexia when I was in high school, just because they just thought I was bad and they didn't want to test me and all kind of sort of mm. shit, right? But. Um, but then I, I I learned a craft, and from that craft I went into media. I went did college, but I did it in a weird way where I did chefing first, and then did media afterwards, and then went mm. to university because no one really thought I was going to go uni, which is a crazy thing actually. And then um went into broadcast media, and then long story, yeah. <laughs> so working in broadcast is actually pretty strange, but the big 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 thing yeah that's going to help with racial tensions and going forward and people not having to talk is money cash is king once you've got financial freedoms you can tell your kids go go do stuff with turquoise and be free do whatever you want because it's that security but it's just like when you haven't got that security you're like look you best go work because when we're gone you got nothing so Mm. (laughs) that's the fact you give me it's all on you 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 could be on the street begging we only got a few years left um, give you years up, <laughs> for real and like even now like my parents are like we don't quite understand what you do yeah. but you're getting money so <laughs> my parents are the same so like I didn't do great in school had a few jobs and then started working in Shoreditch fancy building my parents are gassed. They don't understand the job. But they were just happy that I wasn't doing dumb stuff in life. They're like, that's decent. It wasn't it wasn't uni, but it was the next best best thing. They were like, you know, this mm. is alright, this is alright. But same same with me, dude. It was like I am the money. You know, like there's no there's no like sum of there's no bucket of money somewhere away for me. Or like mm. property in, in country. So it's like, hey, 
it's up to you to make your way. You are the money for your kids. I yeah, I, it's, that's the thing. Like the people I know that are like ethnic minorities within creative jobs, it's because their parents have been somewhere close enough to it to be able to suggest it to their kids. Okay. So like music producers will have musical kids yeah just yeah. because they know that they can make a career in it same thing with like graphic designers and artists of that sort of caliber will have arty kids as well what do your parents do my mother was in hr and my father uh worked as a fucking manager for the post office so neither of them really creative in any sense yeah. like my mother worked bbc um as hr but like she she knew people to then talk to she tried and help me out but then she couldn't really give me much advice it came down to it mm. so when i was like i'm gonna go uni to do graphic design and illustration she was just like i don't know what you're gonna do with that yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just, just like well do you use freelancers i'm not sure if freelance work is going to be good for you but yeah, go for it <laughs> <laughs> there's that there's that um that generational difference where you know, we we are now we're used to that the whole social media era where, whereas some of our parents aren't so clued in on you know the different opportunities that social media and just the rising technology actually gives us. There's so many different jobs out there which we never even thought were possible that are now available to us. Yeah, and I think more and more we're just able to take the kind of the almost the luxury of of taking a risk. Um, I think that's especially coming into a creative industry that's Definitely. that's that's the main thing just being being able to take the risk when I, I, the reason I came into the industry was literally by chance because I was at, at university and I, I did an internship and then I got offered a job straight from that otherwise I would have never even considered um, but yeah and I took a big risk because I came to a country that I you know never lived in and and um, d- didn't know anybody, but I had the luxury of I have nothing to lose, I have everything to gain. There's a lot to lose, but yeah. <laughs> I, well, I didn't. I didn't at the time because my family didn't rely on me to to provide for them in any way. That's that's great being able to take the plunge, like yeah. in something into the great unknown. So I'll, I'll tell you a little start backstory, right? So why I left broadcast was through love, like lack of creativity I was working on some TV channels I shall not name for legal reasons yeah. <laughs> um, not the best content and like poor management and it was a case of I'd been in the same position for about five years really? um, I personally feel like my manager was was looking over me just because of the colour of my skin to be honest mm. and then it was letting all my white counterparts get higher positions and I'm just still the same place I was like you know what I need to change and then I put myself in, um, ever heard of School of Communication Arts? And I managed to get myself a scholarship there. And I did a year and, and from the back of that, just full 360, get myself into the creative position at other, which straight off the back of that course. And this is something that I don't feel I could have done um, any earlier in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just came about at the right time. So I'm like, I'm about 30 now. And I, to be, Faye, junior creative. If if it happened earlier, it would be amazing. But I feel that this is this is the right time for me now, mm. just because like there's opportunities. There's the opportunity to be able to take the plunge and do something a bit risky. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's the that's the that's the yeah. equality problem too. Because if if you're younger and your parents are not reliant on you, and there's not as much stress, it's kind of like you can take the plunge. You can run away to Central London, and go. I'm I'm a be an art director. You know, because there's no yeah. And you might yeah. get that gig at 22, but you're not more talented than a person of color. You just had less responsibilities, and you're like, I can dash everything. It's calm. Worst comes mm. to worst, man, go back to family. We're good. You know, I, I did not have the luxury to waste a year. You know, everything yeah. was super calculated. I was like, but am I getting paid for this? Like, I, <laughs> I never did a free gig in my life. It, it, yeah. it, I needed a monthly paycheck. I, it was just a, a necessity. And I know a lot of people of color were back for that. It's the same for them. They needed a paycheck. You know, or mm. they need to be in school. Like, there's no trade-offs. They're like, I'm going to do yeah. a couple months free. I'm like, hell no, impossible. A couple months from uh, where? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't lie. I drove Uber while I was studying. There you go. That's man. what I did. Yeah. I worked like an immigrant, mind Exactly. You. Like, it really is seven like days that, a though. week, bro. Really is like that. <laughs> it's hard to explain to people like the amount of convos I've had to nod because like this is so awkward. I mean, it's like so I was like, um, oh, this is really hard. I have to juggle this and this and this. I'm like, what are you juggling? What? What? You don't seem like you're juggling many things. I'm like, well, like, don't make you feel bad. But... Well, that was it. Yeah, man. What a good conversation. Yeah, super interesting. I love hearing how um, people start um, start out in the creative industry. So I feel like we should do another podcast episode on that. That was um, probably my favorite episode we've ever done, especially talking about the issue of race in football, how we perceive ourselves, yeah. not only our work, but in wider society. You know, what, what do you guys think? Hundred percent. Like it was really good to hear from Chris. I'm always intrigued um, to like find out how people become creatives. Mm. Uh, I'm always yeah. kind of jealous in that sense. But um, yeah, I think uh, a whole a whole episode is definitely owed into like the journey of getting into the advertising industry for sure. Yes. Again, we appreciate everyone listening. Please, you know, feel free to send your feedback. Five star reviews, all of that, all of that. <laughs> See you guys for the next ep. Peace. See you soon. Love. Yeah. You never had to brand new, yeah, yeah. And you always stay true, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never had to brand new, yeah. Stick by me, I'll stick by you. I'll stick by you. Stick by you.